0: So we've been looking at Jesus in the feasts. In the Old Testament, God prescribes or um, commands, I don't know what the right word would be. He, um, he does all those things. He says, this is what I want you to do. He's talking to the Jewish nation. Um, some things happened, and I want you to remember it is basically what he's saying. And so we've been looking at, when, God is amazing because he paints these pictures with these feasts, and the pictures paint... Um, a couple of things today, it's really interesting, so today we're talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but he, Jesus is in these things, so um, we're going to talk about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's sort of the second one in the spring that happens, and um, so it has to do with cleaning a little bit. So if you're, if you're going to have guests come over, let's say you find out, hey, you know, somebody's coming to visit, what do you do? When you know somebody's coming to your house to visit, what do you do? You clean, okay, but there's levels, right? So I don't know if you can see this, but your adult children level clean—that is, you fluff the pillows and maybe change the sheets. I mean, that's you do a little bit, but they're, they're your kids, you know. You know, it is what it is. Uh, if your friends are coming over, it's a different level of clean. You you put the stuff in piles and you you make the piles neat and you know that kind of thing, and you maybe you wipe down the surfaces and that sort of thing. And then there's mother-in-law level clean. And that's when your mother-in-law's coming or your mom's coming, and so uh, last week my mother was here, this week my mother-in-law is here, so uh, I don't even know where anything is uh, at my house right now because we put it all away, and and that just happens. I heard about this one guy, he's 20-something years old, and they asked him how he determined when he was going to clean his apartment, and the premise behind the question is that 20-something year olds who are bachelors don't clean their apartments, and having been that a long time ago, that premise is true. And th- So they said, when do you des- decide you're going to clean your apartment? And, and his, this was his strategy. He said, all right, I think about if I were to die and people were to come to my apartment to, clean, to, to get my stuff, would I be embarrassed or not? So basically his standard is if I would be ashamed from the grave, then I'm going to clean up. All right, so, so today we're talking about this feast of unleavened bread. And it has to do with bread, and it has to do... With cleaning, and some people believe the ritual of spring cleaning kind of started with the feast of unleavened bread. Now, last week we talked about Passover. You'll recall that, and if you didn't see that, we have a uh, that message online. So, if you want to go back and say, "Okay, I didn't see Passover," Passover is really interesting, and so Passover was this event where the Jews remembered that God delivered them from slavery. Out of Egypt, and he used these ten miraculous plagues, and the last plague was the most severe. And the last plague was when death struck uh, anyone firstborn male uh, of uh, humans and animals who didn't place the blood of a sacrificed lamb on the doorpost of their homes. So the angel passed over them who did this, and so they remembered it. Now the feast of unleavened bread happens immediately. Uh, after this. It's kind of the the next thing. So, you'll recall, the first month in the Jewish calendar is Nisan. N-I-S-A-N, not Nisan, the car, but just one S. And on the 10th of Nisan, they picked a sacrificial lamb for Passover. On the 14th, they they sacrificed the lamb. On the 15th happens, it begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And sometimes i will talk about um, the, the week of Passover. Well, it really wasn't a week. There's Passover... And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So I got to thinking about, uh, we, we do good at this. I think we're pretty good at this. We're, we're going to play a little game. Things that have something that go with them. And So I'm going to see if you can come up with these answers. So Tom and, what goes with Tom? Jerry. Jerry. Uh, DeGarmo and? See, uh, old Christians know that one. That was an, uh, a, a Christian group back in the 70s and 80s. Sonny and? Also old people. Uh, Bonnie and? Everybody. Batman and, Mom. you're doing, you're killing it. Okay, Smith and, Wesson. W- Wesson. Okay, Rogers and, very sophisticated. For the rest of you, dumb and, very good, fish and, or chicken because that happens at Long John Silver's. Uh, Hall and, Hall of Notes. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, Mork, Chip and, salsa, uh, Dulce and. Gary Wilson, that is, how do you know that? Uh, look at you. I mean, it's not like you're wearing that. Okay. <laughs> Dulce and Gabbana is a very high-end fashion, and Gary Wilson knew that somehow. Um, the guy in shorts and a t-shirt knew it. I don't know. Uh, Hansel and? Right Great. Pinto beans? Right on. <laughs> right on. Okay. Yeah. Copy and? Hey. Does anybody know the next one? Gee and? Ha. Oh. Ha. Oh, who knew that? Because you're like farmy. Uh, when you're plowing with mules, I think you had it was gee left and ha was right. I think is how it worked. So that th- those are directions for, um, for for when you are plowing with animals. Alcohol and bad decisions. Who said that? That's right. It it, it doesn't surprise me. You know that. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's a testimony right there. Way to go, Scott. Way to go. Good, good job. Uh, Romeo, and driving in the left lane but not passing. And it's of God. no, uh, uh, no, and being an ignoramus. Uh, those things go together. Okay, not not of God. No, 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 no. Okay, so there's this feast that goes with Passover. It's called the feast of unleavened bread, and we find it in uh, Exodus 12. And let's kind of we'll just jump in. Uh, this is a day, God says to, uh, to, uh, to Moses, this is a day you're to commemorate. I want you to remember this, he's saying. For generations to come, not once, but for now on, I want you to commemorate this. Um, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your house. And then this is really... Just to be honest with you, it's a little severe. It's kind of, kind of harsh. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. And I don't know about you, but sometimes there are rules, and you wonder, do they really mean that? You know. So I traveled to Kentucky and back twice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I went to get my mom, and, and then I, you know, I took her back. And there are signs on the highway, on the freeway. Uh, They're posted there. They have numbers on them. You know what those are? Speed limits. uh, Speed limits. And it says 55 or 65 or whatever it says. Are you the kind of people that say to yourselves, do they really mean that? Is it 65 or is it 65 ish. You know, is it sort of 65? And then there's this saying out there, uh, if you're nine, you're fine. You can go nine over, but ten, you're mine. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not condoning that. I'm just saying, I've heard people say that. And so sometimes you wonder, do you really mean it? Okay. Well, God really means it. Now, he's not talking about somebody that just sort of might happen to accidentally eat uh, 11 bread. This is This is somebody that willfully chooses to, then you're to cut them off, kind of cut them off. And that's a pretty severe penalty, honestly. He goes on, on the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Kind of bookend uh, worship services is kind of what it looks like. Do no work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. It's like, it's like a week of Thanksgiving. It's perfect. You know, no work. You're, you're just going to eat and, and think, and you're going to prepare meals without uh, bread rising. So leaven, what leaven does inside bread is it just makes it rise. I have a package right here. This is yeast. They kind of go, they're synonymous with one another. Uh, Miriam gave me this. Uh, this little package of, of yeast evidently will cause the dough to rise in a, in a whole loaf of bread I watch her do this sometimes. Um, Miriam is great at it, and she'll put the flour on the on the counter there, and then she makes a little kind of a a little divot, and then she puts. A, does this sound right? Does she put egg in there maybe sometimes? And then and then some uh, warm water and some yeast, and then she kneads it, and that's I think that's what she does. I mean, I, I should I, I could have asked, uh, but I think that's what happens, and 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 I could help, <laughs> uh, and uh, but anyway, that's what she does. And then I remember she puts it in a little bowl, kind of a plastic bowl, and, and uh, uh, or maybe it's a metal bowl, and she puts it in the oven, and then she puts a cloth on top of it, and she lets it rise. And the yeast starts to activate. It's called active dry yeast. It's active, so it causes the, the, the dough to rise. Now, that's a process. And so what God is saying is, for this week, don't have bread like that. Have flat, kind of unrisen bread. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it was on this very day that I brought you uh, your divisions out of Egypt. This is a really, really interesting text. You might go, well, really it's not. Well, really it is. Let me show you why. He says this before he's ever delivered them. The Passover hasn't happened yet. He's saying, when this happens, I want you to remember it. Did, did Did anybody ever see the movie Hoosiers? Basketball movie. What is wrong with you people? Uh, okay. Um, there's a scene in Hoosiers, but none of you are going to know about it. But anyway, uh, there's a scene in Hoosiers, and the coach is named Coach Dale, and they're in the championship game, or they're in a, you know, a tournament game, and they're down to, there's a guy who's playing named Ollie. He's the eighth man on a seven-man team. I mean, he, he never gets to play, but some guy's fouled out, and he had to play. And Ollie is in, and he gets fouled, and they call a timeout, and they're in the huddle. And Coach Dale says to the team, when Ali makes the second free throw, this is what I want you to do. And he's speaking it as if it's already happened. And God here is speaking this as if it's already happened. When the Passover comes, when you get out, and then he uses interesting language. This is the very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. This is war language. Divisions, that's like... Uh, you're going to be a military. You're going to be strong and powerful. They weren't strong and powerful when he said this. They're slaves. They have no idea how to fight. Never fought. They're, they're just not, they don't know. And so God, here's what we all need to understand about our lives. God has a plan for us that we might not even see yet. And he speaks this it's almost as if he speaks it into existence. This is what's going to happen. You're not only going to be a nation, you're not only going to be delivered, but you're also going to be this military. And then he says, celebrate this. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. And we who follow Jesus have a responsibility to train our children to understand certain things about our faith. He, he was saying, hey, do these festivals because it will help you remind your kids of certain things that happened or that happened and you can be reminded and you can remind your kids that I am a deliverer and I think we lose some of that now this was prescribed for the Jewish people I'm not saying hey we as Christians need to start doing these things but we do need to take the time to teach our kids our faith now their faith needs to become their faith I, I get that but we also have to tell them that it is our faith this is what this is what we believe. This is what we do. And so God is painting this picture. In fact, it's kind of a kind of two things He's painting here. Let me let me tell you about both of them. The first is this picture of haste. They were to leave quickly. Now you'll recall these it took ten it took ten plagues to convince the Egyptians to let the Jews go. Ten plagues. And Pharaoh was notorious for changing his mind. He would say, yeah, you can go, oh, i changed my mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. And so God was like, hey, be ready to go. Hey, it's got to be hasty. You're not even going to have time for the bread to rise. I mean, you're going to have to be ready to go. So yesterday morning, I wake up in Kentucky at 7 o'clock, 6.45. And I told Elise, we're going to get up and we're going to go. You know, no lollygagging. I think I hugged my mother, but I don't really remember. Uh, but uh, we were going to go. We're not going to you know, wait around. So I had my bag packed. You know, I slept and I had my bag packed. And, and I grabbed a cup of coffee. And you know, we're ready to go. And there's none of, this, none of this stopping every hour to relieve yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how you travel. And somebody one time said, the joy is in the journey. That is stupid. Uh, the joy is in getting there ahead of schedule. And so... You look on your your uh, your Waze app and it says you're you're scheduled to get there at twelve seventeen and by golly if you can get there at twelve sixteen you win and that is what this is whole this whole thing is about hey hurry got to be ready got to hurry and so when the opportunity presents itself by the way uh, none of that is from God uh, that whole thing it's like don't be elbowing your wife uh, it's not I'm um, pastor not telling you that's how you ought to live I'm just saying that's what God is saying hey you guys. You're going to have to be ready to move. And the language around this was, they, of course they wore robes, have your robes tucked in your belt. I mean, you're going to have to be ready to go. And, 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 and sometimes God tells us, hey, you got to be ready to go. In fact, even with our faith uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. When you feel God moving in your life, now is the time to respond. I, I'm getting to an age where if I don't do things right away, I forget. I, I hate that about myself. I don't love it, but I know it, and it's true. And so, for me, this verse is always my verse. Now is the time to do it, And so if I remember something, I go do it. And so God is saying, hey, the, the picture is of haste. You have to be ready to move when God calls. The second is this picture of holiness. So whenever the Bible, not whenever, but most often when the Bible talks about yeast or when it talks about leaven, those are synonymous, he's talking about sin. And the reason is, it doesn't take much of this uh, to get into, it doesn't take much sin to to permeate your life. It doesn't take much yeast to permeate the dough. It's kind of the idea around it. And so in Leviticus 1-2, it says, The Lord says to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I am holy. I read a really interesting story this week. In Newcastle, Wyoming, There's a lady named Lucille Clark, and in her refrigerator, she has a sourdough starter. Does anybody know what that is? Guys are like, is that what you put on the battery cable? No, uh, I don't think it's that. Farm girl, uh, you know what a sourdough starter is? Yeah. You have one in the refrigerator? Oh, Diane has one. Okay. Um, This one dates back, they can trace it back to 1889. I don't even really want that, uh, just to be honest with you. But what they would do is they would make bread, and it would rise. And so they would take a little piece of that and put it in the next batch. I think that's how it worked. And, and they would have enough yeast in there to, to multiply and make it. And what, what God is saying is sometimes a little bit of sin can get in your life. It doesn't take much. And then before you know it, it has gotten out of hand. And so this feast sort of reminds us that God wants us occasionally to think about our lives and to clean it up and, and that our hearts are a home for holiness. Our hearts are to be a home for holiness. And so the Jewish people even today have this tradition, if they're observing Jews, and they make this little, kind of a little drama out of it for their families. So what they would do is this. They clean everything and they get all the yeast out. And then the mother, typically it's the mother, she'll take ten little pieces of, of yeasted bread, yeast-filled bread, and, and she'll, place, she'll hide them in the home. Ten little places. And at night, in the dark, uh, the dad will take a candle and the kids and they'll go look for these ten pieces of bread. And it's really its kind of an odd little thing they do. He has a feather, he has a wooden spoon, and he has uh, a white cloth. And so they'll be looking for the yeast or whatever and they'll, they'll find a little piece of bread and the kid will say, hey daddy, there's bread here and the dad will come and he'll take his feather and he'll gently scoop the, the piece of yeast onto his spoon and then he'll transfer it from the spoon to the cloth and then he'll fold the cloth up and when they found all ten pieces, they take it outside and they burn it or they take it to the synagogue and they burn it. They burn it all. And, and the picture is, we're going to be people who eliminate as much as we can sin from our lives and that night when they eat the dad will pray a prayer and it goes something like this father we have cleaned our house and our hearts of leaven and if we've missed anything we ask that you forgive us and that you cleanse us and and there's this this picture not just of haste but also of, of holiness and we see Jesus in the feast. It's really interesting to me how often we see Jesus in these feasts. In the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The name literally means house of bread. Beth means house. Uh, Lechem means uh, L-E-C-H-E-M. You have to say it like that. You want to say it with me? You? you should say it. Try it with me. Lechem. lachem. Whoever's in front of you ought to feel it. Uh, Lechem. Okay. Lechem means uh, bread. So Jesus was born in a town called the house of bread. And then uh, he was unleavened. He was sinless. The Bible tells us God had Christ who was sinless, who had no leaven. Take our sin so that we might receive God's approval through him. And so God uh, chose Jesus because he lived a sinless life. He was God incarnate and he took our sin, the one who had no sin. And then this really interesting, we talked about this last week, but I think this is really interesting. Jesus removed leaven from his father's house. Now, we talked about, this happened at least twice. Um, I sort of think maybe every time Jesus came for Passover, he did this. Uh, And he would have come every time, at least when his ministry started at 30, he would have done it three times. But anyway, this is found in John 2. This is really early in his ministry. And look at what happens when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Sometimes, if we don't know the calendar, we, we don't get it. We knew Jesus drove the people out of the temple. Well, now it makes sense. This is why he did it. When it was time, almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went to Jerusalem. That's where you celebrated Passover. And then immediately you followed that with the, the festival of unleavened bread. And in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. And can you imagine? I just want you to picture it. When you come to church, and what we want to do when when you come to church, I hope we do this well, is we want to create an environment where people feel welcomed. So hopefully people are greeting you when you come in and that kind of thing. Can you imagine coming to a church (laughs) where they have set up... um, little kiosks and they're uh, selling uh, trinkets you know or or something I mean it 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 would just seem odd and in the temple there were different sort of sections and this was the section of the Gentiles those are the people who aren't Jewish are welcome there and the Jewish people were setting up these kiosks and Have you ever been to the mall where the guy wants to sell you some uh, some some hand lotion from uh, the Dead Sea or something? You know, and and what do you do? I mean, I'm walking and the guy's like, "Excuse me," it's like, "I don't, no, no, no." Uh, I act like I'm on the phone. You know, I take a phone call. It's like, "Dude, I'm sorry, I would talk to you, but I'm on the phone." Well, that's kind of the feel here. You walk in and they're kind of accosting you, and Jesus didn't like it, and so He made a whip out of cords. We, we get this, I, this kind of milquetoast Jesus like he w- wasn't a bad dude. He made a whip out of cords, and then it says he drove all from the temple courts. And he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. I mean, that's, these people are there to make money. He is basically saying, do not make money here. And he makes a whip out of cords, and he drives them out of the temple. Now, to me, that's really interesting. And so he is taking the leaven, the sin, out of his father's house. That's what you did with the feast. One more, just one more. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And then the night he was betrayed, he gave us the... um, the, the remembrance of communion. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, when he's talking about the bread. And so, we see Jesus throughout this feast. Now, let's go back to the holiness thing, because I think we're going to kind of wrap it up with that. Um, Donnie Osmond used to sing a song, One Bad Apple Don't Spoil the Whole Bunch Girl. <laughs> I don't care what they say. Uh, so... You all could have joined me, but you didn't. Uh, that's okay. And I did it really, really well. Uh, Chris, can I be on the team? Can I be on the... If you ever do One Bad Apple... And Scott Garrison wants to join me. Okay, so that'll be great. Okay. All right. Donnie Osmond, although he may have been right about apples, um, he wasn't right if you're talking about leaven. It, with leaven, like with sin, it doesn't take much to get a lot accomplished. And so a little leaven goes a long way. A little sin goes a long way. And so uh, specifically in Scripture, there are mentions of things that we really shouldn't do if we're followers of Christ. There are things that shouldn't be in our mind, shouldn't be in our hearts, shouldn't be in our bodies. There are things that we shouldn't do. This isn't legalism. God is just saying you are a different people. You're different than everybody else. act different than everybody else. So we're going to talk about a couple of those. One is the leaven of hypocrisy. You shouldn't have that in your life. And Jesus said, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, when he talks about this word, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, he's not talking about all of them. He's just using a general term. There was one Pharisee named Nicodemus. We see him in John 3, he goes to see Jesus, he becomes a follower of Christ as far as we know, and so not, not all Pharisees were, were hypocrites, but they had a tendency to be hypo, uh, hypocritical. And they focused on some things as Pharisees, the kind of three things. They gave alms, they gave money, and they liked for people to know it. And so they would bring a gift to church and they would, uh, they would announce it, you know, hey, uh, I gave fifty bucks today for the you know building fund or something. You know they they want people to know, so they give alms and they want note they want note they want to be noted for it, or they would pray, and they would stand up and they would give these big um, these big orations where they wanted everybody to notice them. Now, is there anything wrong with giving alms, giving gifts to God? Nothing wrong with it. Is there anything wrong with? praying nothing wrong with it the other thing they really really liked to do is they fasted and they wanted everybody to know it and so they would walk around and they would sink their cheeks in i can hardly do it because i've got too much flab up there but uh, uh you skinny people you should try it uh, they would sink their cheeks in and they would walk around and they would look you know disheveled and sad and they want people to know there's these are great things they were doing they were just calling attention to themselves Hey, I'm, I'm a giver, and I want you to know it. Hey, I'm a prayer, and I want you to know it. Hey, I'm a faster, and I want you to know it. And so on their Facebook page, they, they would post, uh, hey, I've given money to the church, you know, or uh, today I'm fasting, don't, uh, I, don't, I won't have time to text you. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. That, that's the kind of thing they would do. I don't know what fasting and texting have, anything to do with each other, but uh, I'm focusing on my prayer life, I don't have time. And that, that's what Jesus was warning. He, he said, be on your guard. Don't, don't be like that. Don't call attention to yourself. The, this, the second, or a second one, is, is bad doctrine. He said, uh, Be careful, be on your guard against the use of Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, two different groups, both religious. Let me make a distinction for you. The Pharisees were conservative. Uh, they really, Jesus and them were a lot alike. They just sort of, they added rules to rules. And so the Ten Commandments says, um, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And so, that's general. Well, they, they said, okay, well, we really want to make it specific. So they, they said how far you could walk on the Sabbath. You couldn't spit on the Sabbath. Uh, women couldn't look in a mirror on the Sabbath. Because they might see a gray hair and pluck it. You couldn't spit because it might turn over the soil and cause a seed to germinate and you would be plowing and sowing. I mean they, they came up with these nutty rules and so it all became so restrictive you couldn't live. And so Jesus was like don't be that way. However, the Sadducees they were liberal. They, they kind of had liberal theology and they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in miracles. And an easy way to remember this, I learned this when I was a little boy, an easy way to remember the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee is that Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, therefore they're sad, you see. See that? That's brilliant. Okay, so Jesus is like, okay, okay, okay. They have bad theology. And with the proliferation of social media, bad theology is everywhere. It's not like it wasn't everywhere before, it is really everywhere now. And so people will say things like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. It does matter what you believe. People will say, well, God wants you to always be healthy and wealthy. It's not what Jesus said. The teaching's out there. But Jesus said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And life is tough. And he's there to help us through. But that's bad theology, honestly. There, there's the, theology out there. You've got to earn your way to heaven. have got to earn it. But the Bible says, God saves us by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for good things You've done. But that theology's out there. It's prolific in the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and others. You just have to understand they're trying to earn their way to heaven. And it does matter what you believe. And there will be people who say, All paths lead to God. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's very exclusive. You can believe all paths lead to God, but if you do, you have to choose willfully to not believe what Jesus said. You can do it. It's your choice. You can't believe Jesus and that theology. And, and so what, <laughs> the warning is, hey, watch out for really bad theology. Here, here's another one. Sometimes this is called hyper-grace. This is the one that says, if you're in Christ, you're free to do what you want. And Jude, I'd never really even noticed this verse before. Jude 1, four says, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. So he's saying, hey, 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 Be, beware. beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That's sort of too many rules. Beware of the yeast of the Sadducees. That's no rules. Beware. There's another one. He, he says, beware of politics and power. Be careful, Jesus said. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And it's not talking about just, there was a guy named Herod, but there were several guys named Herod, by the way. There was Herod Philip. And so it's kind of like a, a title of people who are in power. And when you hook your wagon to a political person, to a, a, a candidate, then you, you are, if, if you're thinking your salvation's going to come through that, you, you're going to be disappointed. Because every candidate from every party is a flawed human being. Are you ever surprised at these scandals? It's like, oh, um, she did that with an intern. Oh, that, I'm not surprised because they're flawed. Now, your candidate is obviously more flawed than mine. I mean, that, that's sort of obvious, but they're all flawed. I'm teasing, obviously. They're all flawed. Can't, you just can't bank on it. Look, I'm a Christian, and I'm an American, and I vote, and I pray, and I put my trust in Christ, not a candidate. Just how it works. And then there's legalism, kind of a fourth yeast. Now, but before I read the text, I have to set it up. Paul goes and he establishes these churches. There's one in Ephesus, there's one in Galatia, there's one in, in Corinth. He establishes these churches in Philippi. And so he establishes the church, he teaches them, then he goes to the next place and starts the church. So he goes and starts these churches, and he started a church in uh, this town called Galatia, and then somebody came in after him and said, well, um, Paul taught you that it, Jesus is enough, but it's Jesus and you have to be a Jew. You have to be circumcised. And so this is what Paul's addressing: you were running the race really well, he says. Uh, who who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching, this teaching that you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian, is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. P- Paul is so aggressive here. If you read the beginning of this. Uh, He talks about, um, hey, those people who tell you you have to be circumcised, he says, well, they ought to go ahead and emasculate themselves. If you don't know what that means, that's really not good if you're a dude. He's saying, man, just... Paul's like, don't be dissuaded by bad doctrine, by this legalism. There's one more. There's one more yeast, and this one is prolific. Immorality. Paul says... I can hardly believe. It, I can't even fathom. He's writing a church. He starts this church in Corinth, and he leaves, and then he hears these reports. I can't believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something even pagans don't do. I am told that a man is in, church, in church is living in sin with his father's wife. This is Jerry Springer stuff, right? This is Hillbilly Hoedown. I mean, this is... This is whack you are so proud of yourselves you should be mourning and sorrow and shame look immorality, sexual immorality is going to happen outside the church people who aren't Christians, I understand that but this is happening in the church somebody in the church is doing this and they are not only are they not aghast they are proud of it and he goes on. It doesn't get better. You're boasting about this is terrible. One has to wonder what Paul really thought. Uh, you boasting is terrible. Don't you realize this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Wow. But if you'll recall, back in the Old Testament, when they ate leavened bread during the feast, they were asked, to not be a part of the people. We don't hate people. We don't bully people. We don't harass people. But neither do we act as if sin isn't sin. Just We just don't do that. There's a sexual immorality of pornography that is so rampant in our country today. When I was young... To get porn, you had to go to the magazine rack at some magazine store, and no good old boy, no boy like me, would ever go do that. So you'd buy a Sports Illustrated, and then you'd put the other one, Playboy, underneath, you know, and you'd buy them both and hope nobody noticed. Now it comes to your phone. You don't even have to ask for it. I got a text the other day that said, you know, uh, uh, hook up or something. It's like, uh, hook up? I mean, I I don't want that. I didn't ask for that. It just, it just came to my phone. You don't have to look for it. And then people will say, well, it's a, it doesn't hurt anybody. Yes, it does. It hurts you. It dehumanizes people. It, it, it objectifies women. I'm the, I'm the dad of daughters. When you look at a woman as if she's just something for your pleasure, you are denying her beauty in Christ. How she was created. And it's wrong. We live in a culture where people hook up and it's as if they act as if sex doesn't mean anything. That's not what God teaches. He paints this picture in matrimony where you you have a husband and a wife and they are committed to one another. We have marital unfaithfulness and we act as if it's just not that big a deal. It is a big deal. The immorality of homosexuality, it's not prescribed, not condoned in Scripture, it's just not. So Paul, to this Corinthian church and to us today, says, look, we're not progressive. You're not loving when you condone sin. It's just not. And then he says this. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, not with the old bread of wickedness. Let's not live like that but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Let's be different than everybody else. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a call to holiness. Are we going to live differently? Not like everybody else, not, not, not like all the things around us. And the question we ask ourselves as we close is, is my heart a home for holiness? If Jesus was to come and visit, would He be comfortable here? That's the question. Feast of Unleavened Bread was just a way for them to remember, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm supposed to be holy. That applies to us too. Let's pray. Father, thank You for... That was a hard word today. But your word is truth, and we speak it in love. Help us to be loving and kind, but also truthful. Penetrate our hearts, Lord, with with your love in all things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.